Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. I would give the principles of faith and share how to speak faith, speak to your mountain, tell it to be removed, etc., etc. You know, all the things that we've learned about faith and confession and everything else. And every time I would sit there talking with this individual, the power of God was in operation. Now, this individual had, because of sugar diabetes, a muscle that held the eye in place that was deteriorated. And what it would do is just fall over to one side and stay there. And this person could not move it on the one eye, back, or, you know, back and forth. Just couldn't move it. It would just be right here on the side and just stay there. That was it. Well, every time we sat down and talked about the Word of God and shared from the Word of God, right there while we were talking, it would just come into proper place and, and focus. And I would just sit there in amazement, just looking and watching. And then after I had left, it would just go back to where it was and just stay there. Come and share the Word again, and the same thing would happen. The power of God would be in operation and manifestation right there, and it would function properly. And then it would not. And I became puzzled, of course, not knowing the situation. But then I, I began to, you know, search my own heart and to ask the Lord, now, what's, what's going on here? Why is this happening? We sit down, we talk the Word of God, and it seems like your, your power is in manifestation and everything is okay. Well, it rose up on the inside of me, ask and see if there's any bitterness or unforgiveness within the heart. And so after a period of time where we were counseling and sharing in the Word of God and and all that, I finally, you know, began to discuss that and said, well, is there any unforgiveness or bitterness, you know, in your heart, locked up in, in the secret chambers of your heart life? And this individual said, well, why do you ask that? And I said, well, I mean, I, I would think that you would know and understand that if there's unforgiveness or bitterness inside your heart, it shuts down your faith life. And if your faith life is shut down because of that, then the power of God's not going to be available to you to affect a perfect healing and a cure. Well, this person looked at me in utter amazement, not thinking that their life of forgiveness and forgiving other people had anything to do with the, the miracle working power of God or the healing power of God. It amazed me because this person was in the faith much longer than what I was, of course, and I mean much, 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 much longer than what I was, not realizing, and this person not realizing that Unforgiveness and bitterness inside the heart will prevent God's power from, you know, affecting a cure, bringing healing or deliverance or whatever. Which I think is the main reason why I didn't say anything about it from the very beginning. I mean, I wasn't one who would just go off to somebody and just start, you know, putting myself up above them or anything like that. I always, I always see everybody above me. And some things I guess I just took for granted. And in that case, I just took for granted that this person knew this or should have understood it most definitely. But finally, of course, you know, God has to work even through our lack of understanding regarding situations. I finally communicated to this individual that you cannot expect God to affect a perfect healing and a cure inside your physical body as long as you're harboring unforgiveness and bitterness inside your heart. It's just not going to work. There are certain laws. Of course, we live by laws here upon this earth. I mean, electrical force, you know, there are laws that apply to it and everything else. There are certain laws and rules and regulations that we live by. Well, the same thing is true here in the spiritual sense, in the spiritual realm. I said, this is a spiritual law. 
If you have unforgiveness and bitterness inside your heart, God's power, although it's available to you, and although you can see it working, let's say, in a moment of time, it's not going to remain to affect a complete healing and a cure or to consummate the process because you have unforgiveness and bitterness. And what that does, it short-circuits the power of God and prevents it from doing its perfect work. And so this person said, you mean that? I mean, that's, that's the truth? I said, absolutely. And I, and I began to share these scriptures here and other scriptures concerning this. Well, then what am I to do? I said, well, the first thing you have to do is to learn that you have to forgive all people. Whether they're your friend or enemy doesn't matter. The Bible teaches us that we are to forgive. Didn't uh, Stephen, when he was martyred, ask God to forgive those that killed him? Didn't Jesus on the cross say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do? They certainly weren't his friends that were killing him, were they? They were his enemies. And, of course, he still had a forgiving disposition. He wanted the Father to forgive them for what they were doing. Recognizing that they were ignorant of what they were doing, they were in darkness. So think about it. Even those that are out there that are in darkness that are not saved, does it mean that we don't have to forgive them? We absolutely have to forgive them because they don't know what they're doing most of the time. They're groping about in darkness. They do not know where they're going. Their attitudes are existent because of the darkness that they are in. Their motivations are as they are because of the darkness that they are in. And so we have to look beyond that and have a forgiving disposition toward all men. And, of course, this person had to have that same disposition, but didn't at that time. Well, finally, this person went ahead and did what I said do. I said, make sure that you contact this other individual and make sure that you get it right. This is the scripture said, if you have ought in your heart against any, if you have anything inside you against another individual, against another person, see to it that you get it dealt with. Didn't Jesus say when he was teaching there, he came down from the, on the mount, rather, he was teaching them the Sermon on the Mount. Didn't he say that if you have anything in your heart against any, and you go to the altar to worship God, or you bring a gift or a sacrifice, whatever, he said, you just lay it down right there, and before you offer the gift to God, you make sure that you find that person and you get it settled. Get the situation resolved before you go and offer your gift unto God or make a sacrifice unto God. Beloved, that doesn't change just because we're living in a, in, under a new covenant. It doesn't change just because Jesus died and rose again. We are still following the same rule and law. If we have within our hearts bitterness or ought against any, no matter what they have done, saved or unsaved, if they're saved or unsaved, it doesn't matter. We are not to harbor ill feelings in our hearts, bitterness or unforgiveness towards anyone Otherwise, it shuts down our prayer lives and faith lives, making it ineffective. Our faith will be ineffective. Our prayer will be ineffective. And God's power cannot accomplish what it, He wants it to accomplish within our lives. Well, like I said, this person finally dealt with it, took care of the situation, saw to it that everything was resolved, asked for forgiveness... And there are two times we ask for forgiveness. Number one, if we've hurt somebody, or number two, if somebody has hurt us. If someone does something against us, then we have to go to that person. You should always go to that person. If you have done something against someone else, of course, then it's your responsibility to do the same. But even if you know that someone has something against you, and they might not even know that you know it, but if you know that someone has something against you, even though they don't know that you know it, you still go to that person and say, look, 
I understand you have a problem with me or something that I did. I want to get this thing straightened out right now because I'm a person, you know, that has a forgiving disposition. I do not want to have any ought in my heart against any or have anybody have anything against me. Because I know that that's deadly in the spiritual realm. I know what it can produce. It produces nothing that's good, beloved. It produces anything and everything that's evil. And that's exactly what it will do. Well, when this person finally dealt with the situation, got everything resolved, that person came to a church service, came up to the altar, and I asked, did you get this matter settled? And that person says, absolutely, the matter has been settled. Totally settled. Everything's resolved, and, and my heart is pure, and my heart is clean before God. I said, praise God, let's pray the prayer of agreement, and let's agree together right now for your complete deliverance and total healing. You know, beloved, before the day was out, the power of God was made manifest, and the deteriorated muscle was restored. It was a recreative miracle. It was restored. The eye began to function normally and all the other situations, the problems that, that were occurring in, in that body because of the other situation, she was healed and normal. Went back to a doctor and the doctor said, what happened? And, and she said, well, why? What, what happened to you? How, how come everything's functioning normally like this here? Did you go to Cleveland Clinic? Did you go to Pittsburgh hospitals or whatever? And she said, no, I went to Jesus. Got my heart straightened out. Amen. Because you see, nothing could have been done for this person, medically speaking. But he made, the doctor made, he thought, well, maybe there's something that, some type of surgery that was performed or whatever. And she says, I didn't see any other doctors other than Dr. Jesus. Went to him, got my heart straightened out, and the power of God healed me. So, beloved, that was a recreative miracle that occurred that took place because... A person was willing to humble herself before God and humble herself before man. And even though she felt that she was in the right and the other person was in the wrong, you can't afford that luxury. It doesn't matter who's right and who's wrong. Get the thing resolved. Get it taken care of so God's power can be in operation. And make note of this, beloved. The longer we harbor things in our hearts, you know, the worse it is for our spirit lives. There isn't anything that hinders spiritual growth and development more than having an unforgiving spirit. There isn't anything that hinders our growth and development more than having bitterness inside the heart. It shuts down the operation of God with inside the human spirit. It puts a person up out in limbo somewhere where they don't even know what's going on in their spiritual lives because of their spiritual condition. That's why Jesus put it right here talking about the law of faith, talking about the prayer of faith, and talking about the right heart attitude, not having a an unforgiving spirit or a spirit of bitterness inside the heart because it will shut down everything. And, beloved, let me say this. If we don't have faith in God, what do we have? If our faith is not oper operative, then what do we have? If we don't have a productive prayer life, then what do we have? If we can't make connection with heaven, beloved, what do you have in your time of need? You have nothing. You have to turn to the arm of flesh. And he's not always available to help. Amen. So we can see here it's essential and it's important to our life of, our life of faith and prayer to have a, 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 a disposition, let's say, a, that forgives, a, a forgiving disposition. Turn with me, if you would, please, to Matthew's Gospel. And look at chapter 18 with me, beginning at verse 21. If we fail to forgive others, our failure to forgive tears down the bridge over which we have to cross ourselves, every single one of us. 
Jesus said, if you don't forgive your brother or those that have ought against you, if you don't forgive others, then he said, your Father in heaven will not forgive you. Now, think about that. How many of you need forgiveness in your life? Do you need to be forgiven by God daily? Let's be honest. Daily. We all are in need of forgiveness. The moment we fail to forgive other people, their offenses, at that moment we tear down the bridge over which we have to cross. We need forgiveness. If we do not forgive, we are not being forgiven by God. If we are not forgiving others, God Himself is not forgiving us. It's like cutting off your nose to spite your face. You're doing an injustice to yourself, to myself, if I don't forgive other people. So it's important that we see God's viewpoint concerning and regarding forgiveness and having a forgiving disposition. Look at Matthew 18, beginning at verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? I know Peter. You know Peter. You know exactly what he was like. He was waiting for the eighth. Hmm? He wanted the Lord to say yes seven times because he says, boy, you wait till the eighth. I'm going to get me a baseball bat, two by four, (laughs) wait for you to come around a corner. (laughs) I forgave you seven times, brother, but this was the eighth. I'm not mandated by God to forgive you the eighth time, so look out. So Jesus clarified all that. And he said, until seven times, no. Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. 490 times a day, Peter. I know Peter probably waiting for 491. But how many times has your brother offended you for over 490 times in a day? I know people, you know, because of different personalities and because of different, you know, characteristics and, and all that, can rub people the wrong way. We understand that. But... The Bible says we are not to know no man after the flesh. We are to know one another in the Spirit. But even if you have differences in personality and personality conflicts and all that, it'd still be hard to offend somebody 490 times in one day, wouldn't it? I mean, in one day, 490 times? And so Jesus tells him, look, Peter, you set the standard low because I know you have a get-even attitude. I'm going to set the standard high because this is how God operates. I'm telling you, even if your brother offends you 490 times in one day, you, Peter, are to forgive him or her. Then in verse 23, he begins to expound on the operation of the kingdom of God. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. Or an enormous sum, a quarter of a million dollars. For as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped 
him or he besought him, saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred and hundred pence, which is insignificant. Fifteen dollars, a fifteen dollar debt. And he laid hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant did the same thing that he did. He fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desiredest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee, and his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts, everybody underlined, from your hearts, forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Notice from the heart. Forgiveness is a matter of the heart. Forgiveness is a matter of the heart. Here Jesus illustrates forgiveness. He says, God has forgiven you this enormous debt. How many of you know that we owed a debt that we could not pay? That it was impossible for any of us to escape the wrath of God, to escape eternal damnation, because of what we owe God, because of the sin factor in our lives. How many of you know that? Absolutely. But God loved us so much, He wasn't concerned about how we were treating Him. He was overlooking our faults, our failures, our shortcomings, and everything else. Still loved us enough to send Jesus to die for us. He had compassion on us and forgave us all that debt through Jesus Christ. He can forgive us such an enormous debt. And we are now free. We are now forgiven. And we didn't do anything to earn that, did we? We couldn't have paid it if we tried. We couldn't earn the money to pay for it if we tried. It was impossible on our part to become free from that debt. Well, He forgave us the debt, the enormous debt that we owed Him. Yet when we are offended by brothers, sisters, or men, women upon this earth, he says that's like a $15 debt. No matter how grave it may be, how serious the offense, beloved, as far as God is concerned, compared to what we owed him, compared to what he forgave us, this is nothing but a $15 debt. And he says we ought to forgive. When that person comes and asks us to forgive, then we ought to forgive. We are to be of a forgiving disposition so that we can forgive those, of course, who come to us. And I'll tell you what, if you really want to be Christ-like and God-like, like your Heavenly Father, we are to forgive them as He has forgiven us. And what does that mean? 
Even on the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them while they were killing him, destroying his life. While they were stoning Stephen, Stephen said, lay, this, lay not the sin of their charge. Don't hold this to their account. In the process of being stoned, he was of a forgiving disposition. It's not just when they come and say, please forgive me. He was of a forgiving disposition throughout his life. He was just that way. It didn't matter what others did. He took no account of the evil done to him and paid no attention to the suffered wrong. He was of a forgiving disposition, protected his heart with all diligence, and saw to it that he even forgave those who didn't even ask for it. Went to God on their behalf, said, Father, don't hold that sin against them. Just like Jesus did. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I'm going to be of a forgiving disposition. I'm not going to hold anything in my heart or even be tempted to. But notice, it's a matter of the heart. Back up, first of all, to verse 33. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? What he is saying to us is that this is the standard. I have forgiven you of this enormous debt because of my compassion. And we are also to be individuals of compassion. God's compassionate heart is in us if we've been born of His Spirit. He has imparted His love to our spirit. His compassion is within our hearts. His love and compassion should motivate all that we do. It's the motivating force behind all the activity in the body of Christ. It is to motivate us to forgive others who have wronged us. And he says, this is what you should have done. You should have had pity on that person and compassion toward him and forgave him of that $15 debt, just like I forgave you of that quarter of a million dollar debt. That's what you should have done. But you did not do it. Verse 34. And so his Lord was wroth. Remember, if we fail to forgive others, we tear up the very bridge that we have to cross over. We need forgiveness, but that bridge is removed now. Because if I don't forgive, there's no way for me to obtain forgiveness. And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors. He delivered him to the tormentors. We need to be of a forgiving disposition, otherwise we won't have peace of mind. Some wonder why they're being tormented, why they're facing difficulties in life and seemingly nothing is going right. And I mean, they've got a chip on their shoulder. They're not living at peace and harmony with anyone. It seems like everybody is wrong and they're right. And they can't understand why everything is, you know, falling out from beneath them. They just don't know what to do. If we have an unforgiving disposition... If we view people the wrong way without eyes of compassion and love, always looking for faults, always being offended by what people say and do, if that's the attitude that we have, if that's the disposition that we have, he says, look, you'll be turned over to the tormentor. Did you hear that? And it didn't say that man would do it, it said God would do it. So likewise, in verse 35, shall my heavenly Father do also unto you. 
He's saying that he'd actually turn those people over to the tormentor. Why? Because they are living in his territory. When a person refuses to forgive and forget the wrongs that people do to him, to her, then they leave themselves open to demonic activity. They can be tormented by the powers of darkness. They lose their peace of mind. They're unstable in their emotions. They can have a nervous condition. I mean, all kinds of torments can come their way. And of course, they'll try to find escape through prayer. They'll try to find relief through prayer. They'll try to get themselves delivered and set free, maybe through the laying on of hands or whatever. But in reality, nothing is going to work until that individual recognizes the fact that this is a law of God. One cannot be forgiven, delivered and set free without first forgiving others and setting them free. As long as we are not forgiving others, we are holding them in bondage. But God wants us to loose them and set them free. That's important. And we need to have that kind of attitude. Father, if that person has something against me, I loose them of that debt. I'm not going to hold that against them and I don't want you to hold that against them. Be of a forgiving disposition and ask the Father to forgive these people and not hold that to their charge. And then, of course, we'll be forgiven and we'll be free. So he was delivered to the tormentor until he would pay the debt that was due him. And so likewise, he said, shall my Father in heaven do also do if ye... From your hearts, forgive not everyone, his brother, their trespasses. No matter who it is, no matter what they have done, we are to be of a forgiving disposition. And we are to forgive from the heart. Since forgiveness is a matter of the heart, we must understand it is a spiritual matter. Since it is a matter of the heart, it is a matter of faith. Because we cannot overcome spiritual forces with physical or emotional powers. So since it's a matter of the heart, it must be a matter of faith. Because you can't overcome spiritual forces with emotional powers. So listen carefully. If we are going to learn to forgive those who offend us, we're going to have to do it by faith. Because your feelings won't line up. When someone offends you, when someone offends me, my feelings don't line up to the Word of God. Do yours? Do your feelings line up to the Word of God when somebody violates you in a certain way? Oh, certainly. When people upset you and do all kinds of things against you, I mean, you just have great feelings, right? Just glorious feelings. You just feel so great. Absolutely not. You don't feel great. You know, and if you're honest, sometimes you, you're, according to your feelings, you like to choke them. I mean, your feelings would tell that to you. Your feelings would want to get even. Become very spiteful. And do all kinds of things against them because they did all kinds of things against you. Well, that's not the way of God. That's the way of man. That's the way of our emotional feelings. 
So if you think you're going to forgive somebody by your feelings, or if you're waiting for your feelings to indicate to you that you've forgiven someone, forget it. It's not going to work that way. You'll never have the feeling without first making the decision to forgive from your heart. One must forgive from the heart before feelings will line up. You say, this sounds like a tough assignment. Rest assured it is. As a matter of fact, turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, and I'll show it to you. I'll show you how tough it really is. In Luke 17, verse 1, Then said he unto his disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. Sometimes we wonder why we get offended so often. We wonder why people offend us. Well, Jesus said it's impossible, but that offenses will come. How many of you know, as perfect as He was, as holy as He was, as pure as He was, people offended Jesus? Now, come on, they never offended Jesus. No, when they picked up stones to stone Him, He said, I like this. This is fun. Let's do this again tomorrow. Do you think He did that? When they plucked out His beard, hmm, beat shaving. Do you think He said that? No, it hurt. He was as human as we are. He was offended by them, the things that they did. They rejected him. You think that hurt him? His feelings were hurt. Sure. But he didn't operate on his feelings. He operated out of compassion. He looked beyond feelings. He looked beyond emotion to the depth of his being that was in contact with heaven and he saw the condition of mankind. He saw the condition of man's heart. He saw man's desperation. He saw the state that he was in. And he was moved to compassion so that even through the midst of it all, he can say, forgive them, Father. His feelings didn't line up with that. But his heart faith did. His spirit life did. Now, I want you to listen to what Jesus taught his disciples. He says, they're going to come your way as they came my way. You're going to be offended as long as you're living in a physical body on this earth. Because there are different personalities, there will be conflict. There are different interests, there will be conflict. There are different aspirations, there will be conflict. No matter what you try to do, someone will try to do it better. No no matter what you set out to do, someone will set out to discourage you. Because people don't want to see you get ahead in this world. I'll tell you what. Even in Christian circles, someone sees you getting blessed by God, they're upset by it. I got a miracle. They want to shut it down and show you that it wasn't a miracle. I did an article one time. Wrote about how my daughter was delivered when she fell ten and a half feet and split her eye and opened it. And I've shared that testimony with you many times. In it, I shared that. I wrote also in the article that, that my wife was unable to have children. And explained that as a testimony. I was doing this uh, a paper for uh, uh, teaching that I was to give. I don't want to get any more detail than that. But anyhow, I got critiqued. And from those that are of the faith, writing back, saying, now brother... It appears to me that these weren't miracles. 
it appears to me that this is the reason why that your wife is having children because of natural causes. Your daughter fell and it seems like after three or four days, she was just healed through a natural process. Oh, do we have to protect our hearts? No matter what you say, no matter what you do, no matter how God blesses you, even within the body of Christ, there'll be those that will be envious, there'll be those that will be jealous, there'll be those that want to put you down, and not even let you join the fact that God has done a great work in your life. And that's all human, beloved. That's all human. And those people that are Christians, that's carnality. I mean, that is the epitome of carnality. When people begin to criticize the work of God in your own life, the things that God has done for you, and they can't even rejoice with you, the Bible says rejoice with those that rejoice. And they want to give that kind of credit to either to men or, or, or medication or whatever. Dear God in heaven. What is that? Where does that come from? It doesn't come from God, I'll tell you that. That's carnality. People being led by emotions and people being led by wrong spirits, wrong influences. They'll come. No matter what you set out to do, there'll be those even around you that will oppose you. You even take positive steps to, to, to experiencing more in God. There'll be those that are around you that try to pull you back down. Even among your own family. Offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him in verse 2 that a millstone were hanged about his neck. He cast into the midst of the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. If he repent, forgive him. If he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And he told Peter, even seven times seventy. And the apostle said unto the Lord, increase our feelings. Bring increase to our emotions. These are guys that raise the dead. These are guys that cast out devils. Oh, they're big and bold and strong facing the devil. Come out in Jesus' name. They would come out. These are guys that healed the sick. These are guys that did great exploits in the name of the Lord their God. Even devils are subject unto us through thy name, they said. But when he said, now forgive your brother, if he forgives you seven times, or if he offends you seven times in a day, forgive him. Oh, Lord, increase our faith. I can raise the dead, but I can't forgive my brother. I can heal the sick, but I have a hard time forgiving my brother. I want more faith, Lord. Now notice. And the Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted into the sea and it should obey you. Now notice this. In Mark eleven twenty three, he says, speak to mountains. Those are mountains of adversity, hindrances that come against you. But here he talks about speaking to a sycamine tree to be uprooted. Why? Because unforgiveness will cause the root of bitterness to spring up inside the heart and defile or send poison throughout the system. That's what unforgiveness will do. And the only way to get it out is to speak to it so that it's uprooted and planted into what sea? The sea of forgetfulness. 
Put it where it belongs. In the sea of forgetfulness. Whatever it is that has caused unforgiveness and the root of bitterness to spring up inside the heart. Whatever it is. Through faith. See, it's a matter of faith. This pertains to faith. Through faith, we are to speak to it. Say to that sycamine tree. Out you go. Be plucked up by the root. You have to see like a dandelion. If you just cut the flower off, you just take the top off, what's going to happen in a few days? It's not going to take very long before it produces more. Why? It has to be uprooted. Once all the root system is out and destroyed, then it's not going to produce any more. But if one only deals with the surface of matters and does not get down to the root of matters, it's still going to continue surfacing. It's not a condition with the other person, beloved. What I'm saying, it's a condition with ourselves. We cannot control what happens to us. We can't control what people say about us. Can we? But what we can control is what takes place inside of us. And only we can allow the root of bitterness to spring up within us. We are the only ones that can permit that to happen. If we permit it, it'll happen. It'll take root. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews, if you would, please. Chapter 12, beginning at verse 14. See, if we permit it, it will happen. If we don't have a forgiving disposition, it will happen because people around us will always offend us. For one reason or another, it does not matter. We cannot control what happens to us all the time. We can't control what people do to us, what they say about us, what they say to us. What we can control is what takes place on the inside of us. In verse 14, follow peace with all men. Notice, God wants us to live at peace with all men. And as it says in the book of Romans, as much as it is in our power. In other words, as long as we are the one that can control the situation, that can do something so that we can live at peace with all men as we follow holiness. Now, notice this. It's not saying follow on holiness to live at peace with all men. Because some, you can live at peace with them if you do some ungodly things. That's not what the scripture is saying. We are to live at peace with all men as we follow holiness. So as much as it is in our power to live at peace with all men through holiness, then do so. But if they will not be our friend because they, we won't do wrong things, we won't follow their lifestyle or whatever, well, we're not to pal around with them or buddy up with them. It doesn't mean that we can't help them if they're in need of help or whatever. But it means we're not going to follow their lifestyle, an ungodly lifestyle, to live at peace with them. We're not going to do that. But we'll still, if they need help, we'll help them. Give them a helping hand or whatever. We'll still do that because that's the kind of attitude that we have. But we don't have to follow their lifestyle because we're following holiness. As much as it's in our power, we live at peace with all men. No matter who they are, saved or unsaved. We're to live with peace with all men as much as it is in our power. As we follow holiness. Without which no man shall see the Lord. Knowing this. See, we know that we want to see the Lord. We know that we want Him to see us in a proper light. He wants to see us as pleasing to Himself. 
So therefore, what we do is follow holiness and live at peace with all men, forgiving them if they offend us, not holding anything against them if they offend us, and even asking God to forgive them if they don't come to us for forgiveness. We live that way. We're following holiness. We're living at peace with all men. Because without it, we're not going to see the Lord. So looking diligently in verse 15, looking diligently, looking diligently. This is something that we do with diligence. Lest any man fail of the grace of God. Now, this is referring to all the benefits of God given by his grace. And you think about all the benefits of God. I want to show you something here. What did Psalms 103 say? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget all of His benefits. What's the first benefit? Who forgives all thine iniquities. Wait a minute. You know you can feel the grace of God in that area of your life if you don't forgive others? Yes, He forgives all of our iniquities if we forgive others. That's what He means By failing the grace of God. He has given us the ability to forgive others. The ability to forgive others. He has given us the compassion to forgive others. See, He's imparted all this to our spirits. It's up to us to walk in the light of it. By making a willful decision. See, it's weakness of mind, beloved, that causes one to remain unforgiving and unforgetting. It's strength of mind and heart that makes one to be one who forgives and one who forgets. See, that's a strength in our lives, not a weakness. Don't forget that. We are responsible to forgive and to forget the things that people have done. Why? Because we have to cross the same bridge. Because we want God to forgive and forget the things that we have done against Him. We are to forgive as He has forgiven us. So we don't want to fail the grace of God and and not experience the benefits of God because we have an unforgiving attitude of heart. Who forgives all thine iniquities, who heals all thy diseases. Let's not frustrate the grace of God that provides all this through unforgiveness and through bitterness. See, that's what he's saying here. Who redeems thy life from destruction, who crowns thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies thy mouth with good things, that thy youth is renewed from the eagles. As far as the east is from the west, so has he. What has he done? Removed our transgressions from us. Those are all the benefits of God. The benefits of his grace. And what he is saying is, look diligently Lest any man fail the grace of God, lest any root of what? Bitterness spring up on the inside of you to trouble you, thereby many, and thereby many be defiled. In other words, it will cause poison to rise up. If the root system is poisoned and it shoots out poison into every branch, what we're going to experience is all kinds of turmoil, torment, Upheaval, trouble, sickness, disease, wrong words, destructive words. It sets in motion the course of nature. And that's what James was talking about when he said you shouldn't have bitterness or bitter words, curse words coming out of your mouth and also blessing words. 
Can a fountain bring forth both fresh and bitter water? The root of bitterness will spring up and set things in motion by poisoning our system, the way we operate and function. A wrong kingdom, once again, will take control over our lives and we'll open the door to all this devastation and destruction because the root of bitterness is springing up, defiling and troubling. And that came from Deuteronomy chapter 29 where it talks about the wormwood and talks about bitterness and gall. That's what that's referring to. That's what will happen to an individual. So he says here, look diligently. Protect your heart. Don't fail the grace of God. Don't allow bitterness to spring up inside you. It'll trouble you. It'll defile many. And when that happens, you'll shut down the operational power of God. Now turn with me to Psalm 66 verse 18. And let's see what that does to the prayer life. Psalm 66 and verse 18. Holding unforgiveness in the heart, allowing the root of bitterness to spring up, not from the heart, really forgiving people and forgetting the things that they have done to you in offense. And Jesus says, many will be the offenses that are going to come. Failure to do that will tear apart the bridge that we need to cross over to get forgiveness from God. It'll cause a wrong disposition to be built up inside the heart. An unforgiving spirit. And then the root of bitterness will take over. And when it does, many will be defiled. A nervous condition can set in. Trouble of the heart. Heart trouble. Anxiety. The system could be poisoned to produce all kinds of sickness and disease. And all that takes place because of an unforgiving spirit. But look at verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart. Where does Jesus say forgiveness had to be? In the heart. If you not from your hearts do not forgive your brother. It is a matter of the heart. It comes out of the heart because it is a spiritual something. He says here, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Not that he can't, but that he will not. And there's a difference. He can hear every voice, but he refuses to listen to the voice of the one who cries out for help when that person refuses to forgive a $15 debt after he forgave that enormous debt. He will not hear but verily God hath heard me, he hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. Why? Because he was of a forgiving disposition. I want to show that to you again in, in Isaiah chapter 59. Look at verses 1 and 2. What does it mean when God will not hear? This is what it means. Behold, in verse 1, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. Notice, his hand's not shortened, his ear's not heavy, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God. It removes the bridge that we need to cross over. When we regard iniquity within the heart, when we hold bitterness, unforgiveness, 
aught against any. And that word ought just means anything. If we hold anything, there's not room for anything in there except God. There's not room for anything in there except good. If we hold anything within our hearts against anyone, the Lord will not hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. Notice this. It's the sin that hides His face. It's the sin that hides His face. Oh, we long for the presence of God. We long to be in His presence. We long to have that face-to-face fellowship and communion with Him because we've been blood-bought and blood-washed and we are His sons and daughters. We long to have that. But notice, when the heart of a child of God is full of bitterness and unforgiveness, it says that sin will cause the Father to hide His face. His face will be hidden from the individual. And that he will not hear. And what it's saying is that his hand then is not shortened. See, it's not that deliverance isn't coming because his hand is so short. It's not because God's not willing to reach out and help. It's not because his ear is so heavy that he cannot hear or cry. No. He is saying that because of their attitudes of heart, he will not hear. He will not help. Until the matter of the heart is resolved. Until you go to that person and say, look. They may not even be aware of it, but you go and say, look. I want you to know that I need to get something straightened out between the two of us. See, beloved, this is what we can do for ourselves. We can't do it. How they respond is irrelevant. They may not forgive you or, you, or, or whatever. They may think you're, the, you know, you're from Mars or something, from another planet. But you know what? You know what you're doing. You're making a highway for God to move in your life and you're rebuilding the bridge that you tore down through unforgiveness so that you can be forgiven by God and you can get back involved in your faith life and get your prayers answered and get God to meet your needs and reach His hand of deliverance out to us and help us and deliver us. And so we see here once again, that it's, it's because of sin. It's because of not recognizing the importance of maintaining a forgiving disposition that many have failed to experience reality with God. Now, turn with me in our closing scripture to Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 31. Very often in teaching along, these lines of fa- along the lines of faith, rather, we pray for people... And those who oppose faith and laying on of hands and the healing of the sick and deliverance and all that, they'll say, well, see, brother so-and-so didn't get healed. Sister so-and-so didn't get healed. And they'll look at people's lives and say, well, if anybody should have got healed, it should have been them. Beloved, don't be so naive. Don't think, no matter who the person is, no matter what kind of life they appear to live, Don't think anyone is exempt from harboring bitterness or unforgiveness in the secret chambers of their heart. Do you know what lies hidden in the secret chambers of the person's heart sitting next to you? Do you really know what lies hidden? Do you? No, you don't. You don't know, and I don't know. Only God knows. And that's the truth. 
You could be praying for someone who has unforgiveness and bitterness until you wear all the hair off the top of their heads. I mean that. And you know what? As long as it's in there, and they appear to be such a wonderful person, a wonderful Christian, as long as it's in there on the inside, nothing's going to happen. Nothing is going to happen. doesn't matter how old a person is. What matters is how well they've taken care of their own spiritual condition. See, what kind of person they are on the inside means a whole lot more than what it appears on the outside. I've heard them say, well, if anybody should have been healed, it should have been Sister So-and-So. She's been to church three times a week, gives her tithes all the time and everything else. It doesn't matter how much you give. It doesn't matter how much you attend church. Go home and find out that Sister So-and-So doesn't forgive people. Takes a week to get around to it. The longer it takes a person to, to forgive and forget, the worse off that person is going to be. Amen. And the more callous the heart can become. Ephesians 4.31 says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. That goes back to the parable of the kingdom. Doesn't it? This is how it operates. Jesus was saying that man should have forgiven the one that owed him just like he was forgiven of that enormous debt. That's the operation. Even as you were forgiven of the enormous debt, you should have forgiven that person of the $15 debt. Now think about that. And if we seriously meditate upon that, even as they may be small in length, but they're big words. Even as... The Father has forgiven us. Beloved, we have been forgiven the enormous debt. That's all been remitted. It's all been removed. We don't have to suffer the consequence of our rebellion and of our disobedience. Because God through Christ forgave us an enormous debt. And what He is saying to us is this. No matter what anyone has done or does to us in our existence on this earth, God is saying it's our responsibility to have an attitude of forgiveness, forgive and forget. This one king was offended. And when he was offended, one, the one who offended came to him and said, Well, look, I'm sorry that I did this thing to you. And the king said, I remember not that you did it. He didn't just say, I forgive you. He said, I don't remember you doing it. He said he must have been lying. No, he recalled because it just happened. But what he was saying was, I choose as an act of my will to put it in a sea of forgetfulness and never bring it up again. I forget. I don't even remember that you did it. You know, would to God that we all would have that kind of an attitude. You know how much better the body of Christ would be if we put all that stuff where it belongs in a sea of forgetfulness and, says, and say that I'm not bringing it up anymore and let's live in peace and harmony with one another. Let's forgive each other as God has forgiven us. Do you want God to bring up your past sins? My past sins? Do we want God to do that to us? And beloved, this works with husband and wife, children and parents, associates, where we work or whatever. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as, even as God for Christ's sake forgiven you, and be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love. As Christ also had loved us and given himself to, for us, 
an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. In other words, when we walk like that, there's a fragrance, there's an aroma about us. Did you know that? One who forgives, one who forgets, one who doesn't take an account of these things, one who has a forgiving disposition, one whose heart is open before God and man, one who shuts out evil and puts in good, there's a fragrance there. The Christ-like fragrance. One continual pageant of triumph. Being victorious over even this bitterness and unforgiving spirit. And we do it by faith. We do it by faith. Not by feeling, but by faith. If someone has offended you and you walk in their presence and you have dealt with the matter, but yet feelings rise up in you and you feel like as though you don't want to be in their presence... You control that by your faith life and say, I have forgiven and I forget anything that person has done to me. As far as I'm concerned, it's all in the past. And as you continue to do that, your feelings will eventually begin to line up. And if you have to get on your knees and say, Father, give me compassionate eyes towards all men, then do it. And God will oblige you. He'll give you that compassionate look and the compassionate, compassionate eyes toward all men so that you can be of a forgiving disposition. Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.